0: Hi, welcome to Medtech for Beginners, the place to come if you want to know more about how to bring new health and care innovations into the UK market. Hi everyone and thank you for joining this week's episode of Medtech for Beginners. Today I'm joined by Ben Roberts, who is an innovation advisor for MediLink Midlands. The reason that I'm talking to Ben is that MediLink Midlands is a really important part of the innovation infrastructure for people working in the health and care sector. And I think it's about time that we started to introduce some of the other support that's available around people bringing innovations to market. So good morning, Ben, and welcome to the podcast.
1: Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. Looking forward to speaking about... All things innovation today.
0: Fantastic. So, firstly, could you just explain to the listeners what your role is?
1: So I'm an innovation advisor at Medalink Midlands. I, I'm mainly focused in the West Midlands and we look at the sort of hurdles that innovators might have, whether it's coming to market, whether it's regulatory compliance, and we find them routes to, to overcome them. Whether that's something that we can offer ourselves in support or our expertise, or whether we can pass them on across then our uh, Uh, network of hundreds and thousands of innovators in the region. It kind of boosts the ecosystem and it boosts their success rates. So uh, yeah, that's what MediLink do.
0: Fantastic. So MediLink are a membership organisation. I know this because I am a member. So if you'd just like to explain what um, you can offer members of Medilink and why it's a beneficial organisation to be part
1: of. Yeah, so there's there's multiple levels to our membership um, for innovators. That's uh, discounted rates from service providers uh, and access to multiple events throughout the year. There's the Medtech Expo at the NEC that's recently gone, but also our Innovation Day, which is one of the biggest days of bringing innovators and facilitators together. For sort of service providers as well, we allow pushing through social media channels, really get their brand out there and their services out there so they can find the customers. And when they're working together and they can collaborate, we can really like push forward with, with their innovations. We also then work with universities and much bigger organizations and run events on topics that they might choose, whether it's infectious diseases, med tech regulation, um, all across the board, anything in health and life science.
0: And you also work quite closely with the AHSNs as well, don't you? Yeah, both
1: West Midlands and East Midlands AHSN, which I believe are being rebranded as the Health Innovation Network soon. Very close working with them and they offer a lot of extra support to us as we do to them.
0: Fantastic. So are there any programmes ongoing that you think would be particularly beneficial for people listening?
1: Yes, yeah, so um, I can start with the West Midlands, as that's my uh, that's my base. The innovation and commercial team from the West Midlands AHSN do a lot with regard to linking up people to stakeholders in the NHS. They have multiple programmes for this. There's The first one is it's called Meridian. It's their innovation portal. It's kind of like a trip advisor for innovation. So a company would go on, fill in this kind of application sheet, talking about expected benefits to patients to staff uh, and to the economic growth of the region, how their product is unique, how it could be utilised and the rough costs of everything. And then once that's published, it'll come through MediLink. We'll just make sure that it's, a, it's that everyone's selling themselves as they should be. Um, but then from that being published, we can send it out to different stakeholders uh, across the region. So if your innovation is around children's health, we have contacts at the Birmingham Women's and Children's Hospital that are looking for this kind of innovation. If it's something in neuro, then we can pass it on to specialists we have down in in Leamington Trauma Centre. So that's a really good one. And the reason we say it's like TripAdvisor is it then allows clinicians and stakeholders come back on, leave comments underneath and say, we adopted this six months ago and we found that we're increasing patient engagement or uh, we're seeing better outcomes from this. So it's a really good kind of circular system And it just allows us not only just sending it to nhs members but any other either innovators or facilitators we think that that might be appropriate for so that's one program that's really good for for innovators especially ones that are kind of nhs ready second program that they're running is the serendip tenancy which is all about medtech again it's support and kind of a community in birmingham for uh, anyone that's developing medical devices or anything uh, in that sort of space as well as the support that they get from each other and the regular events, being part of the AHSN network, which has links with all these NHS, it increases your exposure at the events and just at conversations and collaborations. So they're two really good programs um, that are being run. They also always have different challenges going on. I know that there's one about better inhaler care um, at the minute and uh, medicines optimization. So it's always worth checking out the AHSN's website, seeing what challenges there are, and have a word with the the lead on that challenge because they might have some good insights for you. Now across to the East Midlands, the East Midlands AHSN have a business support package that is, I think, partly delivered through their Innovation Academy. So this is modules that run every couple of weeks, but I believe you can get them all on on sort of catch up Uh, as nobody watches anything live now, it's all on catch up, but that's a a really good for tips and tricks on uh, how to sell into the NHS and that market access side as well as the kind of contacts that you would make in there anyway. Unfortunately, I don't know as much about the East Midlands as I do about the West Midlands, but I certainly know that there is a lot of support for this exact kind of thing.
0: Great, thank you. And um, so just thinking about some of your approaches to the NHS, I know that you've got a lot of experience working with the green agenda now people listening might not think that that should be high on their priorities list they're they're more focused on clinical efficacy safety compliance etc but the green agenda is something that comes up whenever you work in any form of tendering to the public sector including the nhs Um, So have you got any thoughts or feedback for people about the green agenda?
1: Yeah, so I can start with just kind of a a run through what the current targets are. So a lot of people might not know that now 10% of uh, NHS procurement, especially in contracts over 5 million, is weighted 10% by ESG, Ethical, Social and Governance. So what is a company doing in these spaces, as well as just how cheap they are and how clinically efficient they are? By 2030, anyone that's looking to do any contract with the NHS not only has to have a carbon plan, but a carbon reduction plan as well. This has all come about because the NHS has set a target to be net zero by 2040 and be the first net zero healthcare service in the world. That's 2040 by things that they control themselves, which is their their buildings and their fleet, their vehicles. But by 2045, for everything they influence, and obviously they influence their supply chain, so by that time, they're hoping that everyone in that downstream will be net zero. This starts in 2030, where companies have to show that a) they are taking it seriously and looking and measuring, but also have a plan on how to reduce their carbon. Now, this one of the biggest challenges of this that we've seen across the medical sector is single-use plastics, and a lot of companies worried that their products aren't sustainable in that sense. But what we say to them is that that's something that you can not necessarily push down the line, but tackle when more innovation and more support is available. Now it's looking at what your company does on your day-to-day, your your commuting, your waste and all the things, your energy used in offices and factories. What can you do there just to begin that journey and show that the NHS that you're taking this seriously and that you're ready to move into that net zero space when it comes about? But what we're also finding is it isn't just a hurdle. I think that's what a lot of people see it as but it's actually an opportunity. When you start looking into your uh, energy efficiencies, that's a cost saver um, almost immediately. When it comes to recruitment, they keep saying a lot of things like Gen Z and non-negotiable when it comes to to net zero. So if you're looking to secure the best talents going forward into the future, these are the things that Gen Z and millennial workers are looking for. They're looking at a company's track record in this space. So it really helps with the, the procurement through that side. As well as or kind of winning contracts with the NHS, it's just it's good marketing all around as well. It's not just Gen Z and Millennial wanting to work there; it's those wanting to engage with them and work with them. It might help you win contracts with the NHS, but also with other big companies um, moving into that space. So we try and rephrase it instead of it being a challenge, it's an opportunity. And those that move into that space sooner are definitely going to reap the benefits from it.
0: Fantastic! Thank you very much for that. That was um, quite useful and. Thinking about, so now I'm thinking about the sort of questions that you come across when you're tendering for NHS contracts, and uh, you also mentioned in there the social mm-hmm. aspect. So there is also a requirement under NHS commissioning for a social impact on what they're doing and what they're commissioning. Uh, so do you have any thoughts on that in particular? Yes.
1: Yeah, so if you haven't seen it already, there's a, a programme that's called the Core 20 Plus 5, which is focusing on certain like minority groups that were tended to be kind of forgotten in a lot of these things so that's a really good starting point to look at and see where you're kind of working in that space especially around sort of health inequalities and aspects like that so whether it's minority groups or different sort of ethnicities that that come about and also the kind of challenges with them um but as well as just that, it's also I think it's called like health economics. So it's all well and good developing an app that will treat everyone, but not everyone has a phone that can run apps, and not everyone is necessarily able to use these kinds of things. So there's a lot more sort of consideration around those those aspects now going forward, and trying to make sure that that's all all balanced.
0: I think also when you're thinking about. Um... The social impact Mm -hmm. of a contract, for example, if a company can demonstrate that by winning that contract, they might be able to employ graduate level individuals or they can offer apprenticeship schemes as a result of that contract. They'll have dedicated staff. They will look at focusing locally to keep the carbon footprint down. Uh, They will look at ways that they can give back to the community. Uh, Sometimes you see as part of it, you might say, well, if we sell X amount for every number of products or Mm -hmm. for every value meeting this level, we'll plant a tree. There's lots of different things that can be done. I think also there's quite often consideration of things such as Uh, Do you have um, a policy within your company to support local charities? Mm -hmm. Um, For instance, do you have a day, a month or a day, a year that, that members of staff can be paid to go and work for a local charity, which could be focused in that area where you've got the contract, for example? So there's lots of different ways of looking at this more holistic approach to commissioning, commissioning in place. It's important to see that the value that is spent that comes from a local community is going back into that local community and not necessarily being shot off into another part of the UK or particularly overseas where you know the, the money that feeds down from central government, albeit whether it's through AHSNs or through local government... Mm-hmm. They want to see it being spent in in the local areas that it's been um, sent to, basically, rather than just being diverted off somewhere
1: else. Yeah, I've seen seen a lot of sort of similar projects and schemes kind of to increase, I guess, the kind of workforce uh, as well and supporting them in that space. So, I mean, there's the efficiency side of a product, like it might save X amount of nurses having to run this errand or run that errand and save the time there. But there's certain ones that kind of free up a lot more of the pressures and the social side of it. And there's certainly lots of schemes now around making areas outside hospitals, for example, greener, because it improves the mental well-being as well of uh, of the workforce. So little things like that going forward, I think, are crucial. And if it's included in procurement, then that's fantastic that I guess you could say the NHS is, is using its power for, for good in that sense.
0: Yeah. So there's there's a lot of things to consider. I mean, obviously, if people are bringing products to market, mm-hmm. they're not necessarily going through the tendering route. Yeah. Uh, but if they have an eye to the point where they are of a scale where they would be tendering or their product would eventually get onto a framework such as NHS Supply Chain or NHS SBS, mm-hmm. so These things need to be in consideration at the very least in the back of their mind, even if they're still selling on a a case by case basis into the NHS. It's this preparation to scale. When you're scaling, you need to take a wider perspective than just how do we sell this single product to this single hospital, for example. Well,
1: what, what we're finding in that as well, even single hospitals, because a lot of them will kind of have their own programs around ESG and bits like that. It's always worth, if you know that this is the hospital you're looking to sell to, try and have either a word with um, someone from that hospital, or try and speak to, uh, look online and see if there's any information there, uh, because there might be a bit more that you could do to help them and to help yourself get in in like in their good books, shall we say?
0: So with NHS contracts and scaling and thinking about these more holistics or broader aspects of of procurement are there any other things that would particularly be worth considering at this point Uh, can you think of anything else you'd like to add i don't
1: know if this is a bit too broad from this but health economics and like the value proposition is always a a big thing and that's something that we speak to a lot of companies about when they they don't necessarily either take it into account or don't dig into it enough is our finding so a quick overview is health economics is being able to compare what your product offers versus if your product wasn't there and the sort of savings and as well as just the savings on cost there's also the savings on time and you can like you can spiral a bit with it but if you're not only saving money but you're saving the workforce a certain amount of hours as well and that frees up certain bits for example if you're in the remote monitoring space and a you can see a GP from your, the comfort of your own home instead of having to travel in. There's a lot of benefits there. There's the reduced carbon from not having to drive in. There is the, the waiting times and stuff, which is saved. There's the face-to-face time because it's just open a, a Zoom call. There's obviously downsides to that, but the savings and inefficiencies and things like that are also really important. And then from there, you can actually look into how many more patients can be seen, how many more Diseases, for example, can be caught earlier uh, and the benefits from there. There's lots of good resources online for helping people to calculate these and kind of make those estimations, because obviously a lot of the time it is estimations. There are obviously clinical studies you can do and real world evaluations, which you tend to have to go through, like the NICE guidelines and things like that. But they certainly uh, really play a big part when NHS are looking into whether they're going to accept this, whether they want this product
0: yeah, so, so basically the principles of health economics of are the cost mm-hmm. of implementation versus the benefit. Uh, something also I think that people don't consider when they're talking about health economics is it's not just the cost of purchase. Yeah. So when you're implementing something, if your, if your implementation involves five days training for every member of staff on a ward, it's highly unlikely that's going to be adopted mm-hmm. because finding five days for training for everybody on a ward would be virtually impossible, for example. So it's... You do have to think quite laterally when you're looking at health economics, Mm. you have to think about the whole cost and the whole implication versus the whole benefit and the whole implication of that benefit, which, like you say, can actually spiral quite significantly. Uh, So in some respects, you have to be careful going, you know, have I stretched this point a little bit too far? Um, But Um, Just think about those things. Implementation, for example, if you've got a digital technology, can also include the cost of interfacing with hospital EPRs or other IT systems, which can be really expensive. How much is the hospital going to either charge you as a supplier or charge the department that's buying the product off you there are various different things it's not as straightforward nothing is as straightforward as saying mm-hmm. i've got this product do you want it yes i do let's have the money thank you very much it's yeah. never as simple as that
1: no and uh, something you said in there in the sort of implementation side another thing that we always look at is that in the implementation what's the actual usability of the product a lot of Times we do see people will come up with an innovation. It they work with it perfectly. It's exactly how they do. But if it's aimed at clinicians and clinicians don't feel comfortable with it, or it's not quite right for them, or they don't feel like they have the time to set up this big machine to take a certain test or sample or something like that, then ultimately it's not really gonna. Uh, it's not going to be adopted. So there's that early stage either usability or like user um accessibility for it. And making sure that the customers, that your future customers are involved in that initial design stage, whether it's for the clinicians or whether it's for the patients as well. A lot of people think that because they can use something, every patient in the in the UK can use it. Whereas when it actually can, it comes to rollout, they might struggle, there might be confusion, there might be lots of points for, points of error. Um, so they're always important things to kind of put in either in the development uh, or into like testing before before looking to get that market access.
0: So you just touched on a on a subject that I quite often get involved mm-hmm. in, and that's um, patient and public involvement and engagement. Yeah. So people might hear the phrase PPIE, and that's what it means. So Ben, how might you or the AHSN be able to help with this element of PPIE?
1: So. I know that there is there are big programs such as MD Tech, which is Medical Device Testing and Evaluation Center. Um, there's one in in Birmingham that runs for this. They bring in uh, healthcare workers and patients to test uh, people's devices. Uh, now, there's multiple different routes to kind of get in contact with them. i recommend going to their website and like reading more about that. But with the new West Midlands Innovation Accelerator that um, is coming to the region, that's part of one of the work streams is this sort of deployment and that user testing. So that will really help any innovators in that space if they're looking for support there.
0: And also East Midlands AHSN has a PPIE group, yes. yeah. don't they? So They have a group where you can say, I want to show my innovation to patients and public and they will give you feedback mm-hmm from a patient perspective, something that I quite often talk about is is not relying on a single person's feedback or a small group of people's feedback. Mm-hmm. The wider the feedback you get, the more realistic it will become and the more helpful in implementation. So we're just coming to the end of our talk now. That's been really helpful and really interesting. Yeah. I'm sure our listeners would have got a lot out of that. So um, is there anything else you'd like to add before we I just a, a,
1: just a, a plug for, for MediLink and our events program. They're always full of great discussions, whether it's online or whether it's in person. You might find someone that can take your innovation to the next stage or a, a potential customer. So I'd highly recommend checking out MediLink's events program. See if there's something there for you. And if you have any questions about for, for MediLink, then either drop myself an email or drop any member of the team an email.
0: So, what's the website address? It's
1: just Midlands.co.uk.
0: So, that's www.medilink, Mike Echo Delta, Indigo Lima, Indigo November Kilo, Mike Indigo Delta, Lima Alpha, November Delta sierra Sierra.co.uk.
1: Or .com, it's .com, apologies. dot
0: oh, .com, sorry. <laughs> I
1: can do the whole thing again. Though. But um, yeah, no, check out the website uh, for more information about the support we offer or if you want the contact details and we can have a conversation.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for your time today. If anybody wants to learn any more about any of the things that we've talked about, well, um, please contact either myself through PIMS Consultancy, which has been mentioned many times on these podcasts, uh, www. PIMS, PAPA, Yankee, Mike, Sierra, consultancy.co.uk. The other organisations we spoke about were West Midlands Academic Health Science Network, East Midlands Academic Health Science Network, and of course, MediLink Midlands. So thanks again for your time today. Uh, Greatly appreciated, and I'm sure our listeners will have taken a lot from it.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. Really enjoyed it.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you found it both interesting and useful. Please feel free to message us if you've got any questions that you'd like to ask or any requests for future interviewees or any particular aspects of MedTech that you'd like to know more about. We'd be happy to include them in future episodes. Our email address is info at That's info at papa, yankee, mike, sierra consultancy.co.uk or you can find out more about this podcast by visiting pimsconsultancy.co.uk forward slash medtech podcast. Until the next time, bye for now.